0: I still to this day can't even explain it. All I know is that it happened.
1: You're listening to The Ghost Files, the podcast where everyday people share their extraordinary experiences with the spirit world. My name is Karina Machado. I'm a journalist who spent more than a decade telling stories about the spirit world through my books, Spirit Sisters, Where Spirits Dwell and Love Never Dies, as well as my podcasts, Spirit Sisters and now this show, The Ghost Files. It's wonderful to be back after a month's break. I hope you've all enjoyed a safe and happy festive season and that you're feeling rested and ready for this ripper of a haunted house story that I've got for you today. When my guest, Sophie Tate, took out a lease on an old home on Victoria's Mornington Peninsula, she had no idea that her life was about to change.
0: It was creepy, and the footsteps I would hear throughout the house. Some of them I'd hear them together, sometimes it would just be the laughter or the footsteps.
1: Sophie, who was single and 24 at the time, had always been open to the spirit world, but things took a turn in her new house. Whatever it was that plagued Sophie with footsteps, laughter, electrical malfunction, destruction of her belongings, brought on horrific recurring nightmares and even left a message for her on her skin. This is a hair-raising and detailed story, so much so that we're bringing it to you in two episodes. Now, settle in for part one of Sophie Tate's chilling and absolutely riveting story of living in a haunted house by the sea. Welcome to The Ghost Files, Sophie. Thank you for having me, Karina. It's so wonderful to have you, and I know that you've got probably one of the most astounding haunted house stories that I've ever heard in all of the years that I've been interviewing people, so I'm so excited to bring you and your story to our listeners today.
0: It's a good story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're very um, understated there, Sophie. Now, yeah. Before we get into this good story, which takes place 17 years ago, please tell us a little about yourself and your life today.
0: So today I still live on the Mornington Peninsula. It's where I was born and have majority of my life always lived. I live in Mount Martha now with my partner. We've been here for about six years and I've always worked within the medical field for the last
1: 23 years or so, within dental and medical. And still riding my horses as well. Thank you for that intro, Sophie. Now it's time for you to take us back to when you were 24 years old and thinking that you'd scored the cheapest and most fabulous rental in town. What was life like then? What was your job or were you a student then? What was going on? And then how did you actually come across this home? So at
0: the time I was 24, I was living with a friend of mine in St Kilda, which is just a suburb next door to Melbourne CBD. And I was working in Kew, which was maybe a 15-minute drive away at a specialist dental surgery. At the time, I'd been there for a couple of years with my good friend, and our lease was coming up to an end. So she had decided at that point to move in with her boyfriend, and I had decided to move back down to the peninsula because that's where all my family and friends were. My horse was there. I was finding I was traveling back and forth every weekend anyway to see and ride my horse. So, I decided to move back down here. And at that point, my sister had just had her first baby, which was my first nephew. So, I thought I might look around the Macrae area um, on the peninsula, which is about an hour and a half southeast of Melbourne. So, it's still close to all my family, friends, and my horse, but I wanted to be a little bit closer to my sister's family so I could see my little new nephew as much as I could. So, I was unsuccessfully. Unable to find any houses, any rental places that I liked or that I could afford on my own at that time. So it had come down to the final week. My lease was about to expire on the Saturday where I was in St. Kilda. It was now Monday, Tuesday. I still didn't have a rental place lined up for myself. So it was getting a bit more stressful. Back then, we didn't have the internet, so you couldn't just go online and look for a rental property. You had to drive to the suburb that you want to live in. get the printout of a rental list and then sort of drive around to have a look at them.
1: Yeah, it's a very it's- different process, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, very different. So because I was down to my last three or four days before um, I was pretty much going to be homeless, I had got to the point where from the city where I was working I was just calling up every real estate agent on the peninsula and uh, in McRae area especially and I was just asking them to fax me a rent their rental list. So from those, I was just going through seeing what I could afford or what I liked. And in this last week, it came down to two houses that I found in Macrae, which was the suburb I was looking at. And I couldn't get down there to have a look at them because I was up in the city working. So I rang my sister and asked her just to go and drive past these two properties and just give me her opinion on the both of them. So she did. One of them was... A small apartment townhouse. Yeah. And the other one was a larger house um, for a single person, what I consider a large house anyway. It was two bedrooms, big bathroom, or no, sorry, small bathroom, big kitchen area, family room. Okay. Um, quite a nice big house. So she drove past both of them. She rang me and she said the small apartment. Was Although it was newer, she said it was smaller. Um, She said it'd be all right to live there, but not really anything flash. And then she said the second property, which was the bigger house, um, she said a lot older, but she said it had a a really good balcony with a really good view of Port Phillip Bay. Nice. it would be a very good place, a fun place to live despite it being an old house.
1: So you kind of sight unseen, you decided you would go yeah. with this house.
0: Yes, I was only had a few days before I had to move out of the city. So I faxed um, instantly without seeing any pictures because our mobile phones didn't have cameras on them. So I had no photos. No, I had not seen what this house looked like. So I trusted my sister, decided the bigger house with the balcony with the bay views was a definite winner. Mm-hmm. The price was very cheap. It was $140 a week, which was great because I was single, working full-time. I had two cars, a horse, so I could definitely afford it, and it was a nice big house apparently. So I faxed the real estate office and signed all the paperwork. It was agreed via because That's (laughs) how you did it then. The day that I moved out on the Saturday from from St. Kilda, I drove straight to that real estate agent in McRae picked up the keys to uh, my new house that I hadn't seen yet and signed off the paperwork, paid for it, and then drove there with the removal truck and all my belongings. So
1: that's the first time I saw my house is when I actually had the keys in my hand. Oh, wow. And so tell us, what was your first impression of this house? I was very
0: excited and happy when I saw it because I'd been living in a small two-bedroom apartment in St. Louis in the city, which is just a standard, you know, small apartment with my friends. Yeah. So to go from that to living on my own in a huge house with a huge front yard, bay views, mm. um, full of fruit trees, I was really excited. It was very old, but nothing stood out as a negative to me.
1: Okay. Okay. So how was that first day? So you moved in and I know that strange things began happening almost straight away, But how was your first night there?
0: The day that I moved in, I joked to my friends and said, this house must be haunted. (laughs) Um, It was just a throwaway comment because I just said, I can't believe how cheap this house is. It has to be haunted. Like there's no other reason it can be this cheap. So that was just a throwaway joking comment the day that I moved in. No one stayed with me. I stayed there for the first week on my own. Everything was great. I couldn't have been happier. I settled in, put all my belongings everywhere It was a really, really good first week. So then the following weekend, after I'd unpacked, settled in, I'd asked one of my best friends to come over. I think it was a Friday night, so I'd only been there for a week. No one had been to my house prior to that, apart from the day people helped me move in. And I'd said to my friend, do you want to come over? We'll cook some dinner at home and we'll just go to the drive-in and see a couple of movies that night. So just a nice quiet night, just catching up with my friend and sort of, I guess, celebrating, enjoying my new house as well with her.
1: Yeah, it sounds nice. Yep.
0: So, yeah, it was. Um, so that was it was lovely. So we had I can't remember what we cooked, maybe pasta or something. We were in the co- in the kitchen cooking dinner together, and I looked down on my leg as we were sort of um, doing things in the house, and I saw written on my leg uh, the word die. It was like it had been stamped on my below my knee but it took up my whole leg I was wearing just a sort of short white summer skirt because it was summer Mm -hmm. and a white singlet so I was completely in white so on my bare leg when I looked down it, it was perfect like it was like someone had drawn it on too perfect and it was jet black but the word dye was in very old fashioned calligraphy old school writing but perfectly on my knee.
1: And in white, did you say um, the word die, D-I-E, was written in white against this sort of black background? Is that right, Sophie? Yeah. Yes,
0: very distinct, beautiful, old-fashioned, calligraphy-style handwriting. So because I've had a lot of, I don't know, a lot of weird things have sort of always happen or I attract odd things or I, a lot of things I just laugh or stuff up within life. So everything's, I don't know, I don't take a lot of things too seriously. Mm. Uh, I can just laugh things off and go, yeah, of course, that happened to me. So <laughs> when I looked down at this, that was my first thought of, well, of course, die is written on my leg. And then I showed my friend and I said, look at this, how weird is this? And she, who is an accountant and very logical thinking in her way of life and not as open to this sort of thing as I am, as I'm sort of open to afterlife, ghosts, supernatural, anything like that, I have an interest in, mm-hmm. but she doesn't. So she looked at it and she was a bit rattled by it. She's like, "That is that's very peculiar." So, um, because of the way she thinks, he started going through her mind. Okay, there's got to be an explanation for this. We just have to work it out. So then she sort of, I guess, pushed that more than me because I would just write it off and just forget about it, sort of thing.
1: Would you Um, really be able to just forget about this strange, strange, almost like a piece of art? a very sort of ominous piece of art has appeared just on your leg. Well,
0: at, in hindsight, you, you sort of say no, but at the time it was the first thing that happened. You don't initially think something bad has written on me because how could it? There's sort of not much logic to it at that point. Yeah, I didn't have bad feelings in the house. Mm-hmm. I kind of would have thought I must have leant on something. Like obviously I've lent on something or done something. So my friend and I went through every possibility of, what have I lent on? Yeah. Um, we excluded everything because I'd been at my sister's, she wouldn't let you in the house with the baby if, you know, I don't know, even if your hair wasn't tidy, like you had to be clean, you had to not be sick sort of thing. Sure. So there's no way she would have let me in that house near her baby had I had black ink all over me either. So we went through things like what words have die in it like diesel I can't remember what else none of our cars were diesel but just anything I could have lent against the car or like lent on a newspaper everything we left our brains for every any possible way that that could have got on my knee yeah we could not come up with anything we exhausted every avenue after putting a lot of
1: thought into it Sophie, it's so strange. And if I can just backtrack uh, just a, a little bit and just find out what were you doing when you glanced down and saw it? Do you remember?
0: I wasn't doing anything. We were just, I think my friend had just arrived. We would have already had our groceries. or I'd probably been shopping already. So we had dinner you know, sort of mapped out what we were going to cook. I was just walking around the house at that point. I think she was in the kitchen. I might have been in the family room area. I don't know. I could have just been putting music on and just walking in between rooms or something. Okay. I wasn't doing anything of significance.
1: And then you just happened to look down and...
0: didn't It just caught my eye. Oh, wow. and as I said, it was summer. I had a short white skirt on, a white singlet. It just, when I looked down on my knee, it was just very eye-catching and strong.
1: Amazing. and
0: It just appeared out of nowhere.
1: And and as you said earlier, this is, you know, 17 years ago, it's before we were used to snapping photos of everything on our phones. And as you said, you're used to, to some extent, strange things happening in your life. So you didn't take a photo of this?
0: No, I didn't have a camera. Mobile phones were just used for calling and texting had just been invented then, so cameras weren't on our phones I certainly would have taken photos of everything that happened if I had that facility then, but I just didn't. Yeah. I was just glad that my friend was there to witness it. If it was something that happened on my own, I could never have shown anyone or there wouldn't have been sort of a witness to it. Yes. So I was glad that of all my friends, it was also a friend that isn't really a believer in this sort of thing either. So I was happy that she saw it also as proof of that it actually did happen and just how weird it was. Of and it course. Come off so it was stamped on there um, and it just wouldn't come off. I don't know what it was. I don't know how it got there. It hadn't been there all day all evening. It just appeared.
1: And you tried to scrub it off, did you? Yeah, it didn't come off.
0: It was solid.
1: Oh, my gosh. I,
0: I still to this day can't even explain it. All I know is that it happened yeah. and it was there. I don't know how that's even possible, but but it happened.
1: So you were going to have dinner at home and then go out to the movies and you couldn't get this thing off your leg. So did you, I think we were yeah. getting ahead of ourselves in the story, but you went out with it on your leg. So
0: <laughs> I wasn't really too rattled. I just sort of laughed it off like, oh, it's just another you know interesting story to things that happen in my day-to-day life? And it wasn't really an issue, but then... Not long after that, maybe half an hour later when we were caught cooking dinner, my friend was um, at the stovetop cooking our dinner and the stove blew up in her face.
1: Oh, so my gosh.
0: That And it was a big sort of explosion blow up while she was stirring the food and that rattled her. So that rattled me because she isn't someone that believes in any of this sort of thing. It, that spooked us both <laughs> yeah. and then seeing how much she reacted to it, that sort of, make me think a little bit more so then we just left um, we just said okay that's too much something is written die on me now the stove's blown up even though it was in her face and not mine. We just went okay that's too much like this is a little bit weird. So we just left we just went um, down there down the road to the drive-in saw a couple
1: of movies and went home. and you had the word stamped on your legs still? Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And just tell me a little bit more about the stove. So was it a gas top and how did it blow up? What happened?
0: It was a very old stove. It was a very old house, but someone had put like a newer stove in there, but it wasn't a very fancy new one at the same time. I would like to think it was gas at a guess, but I could be wrong. Okay. But it was just four hot plates, old school kind of setup. And it just we were cooking on the stovetop and she was stirring it and it just blew up with like the big flames Ooh. in front of faces while we were cooking.
1: So so um, no more cooking on the stovetop because it wouldn't work anymore, it was
0: Was yeah. uh, no. <laughs> well, definitely no cooking that night. We turned it off. Um, and then we just left.
1: Yeah. Spooked after that feeling. That was
0: yeah. that did spook us. Yeah. Um yeah.
1: And before we go on to what happened next, can you, you've touched a couple of times upon other things having happened to you. Can you give us a brief look at that or a brief summary of some of the strange things that had happened to you that, you know, had sort of primed you for these kinds of events? Yep. So
0: the house that I just moved from in St Kilda, um, prior to that one, It would only ever happen when my friend wasn't there. So she would spend a lot of time at her boyfriend's house staying the night. So there would be a lot of weekends, nights in the week where I'd be home on my own in the apartment, which was fine, Um, except there was a a few nights where I would be woken up somewhere in the middle of the night, say two or three in the morning, and the TV in the family room would be turned on. So I would turn everything off at night, but – Something would turn the t v on and it would wake me up from no. my sleep. um I always sleep with my bedroom door closed. It's just a habit that I've always done, so I was aware that somehow this very old t v that we had with the old school dials on it was turned on, but then, as I lay there and think, "Oh, that's weird, the volume would slowly go from just normal low volume until it was completely as loud as it could go.
1: Oh my goodness,
0: uh, so that used to that I didn't like that. My heart would be pounding. Yeah, I couldn't sleep with it because it would slowly drift all the way as loud as it could go. So I was forced to walk out in the dark, open my door, and go out and turn it off.
1: And it would only happen when you were alone?
0: It never happened when Christy was there.
1: Yep. Yeah. Okay. But
0: that was the only thing that happened in that house. And then I do recall when I used to live at home with my mum, and her partner there was uh quite a few times I'd wake up with big scratches across my chest
1: Ooh.
0: so um that was like um and I've never had nails because I'm a horse rider, so there's you just can't have nails with horses, so I have as short as they can be nails really
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I would wake up with like a big flash mark of five, like a claw with five nails going across my torso.
1: And were and, you a young girl at that point, teenager or something?
0: I, I was around probably twenty. Okay, um, that used to take place, um, but again, nothing else happened. You can just laugh it off as a that's so weird, just another thing that happened. Even though I knew it wasn't really nothing at the same time, mm. but it's easy to
1: dismiss, especially at scab- that age. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, and they were. It was all scabbed up. By the time I woke up, the blood was dry. And it was just like a perfect blood scratch, sort of big s- claw marks across me. How like many I've times just, like, do you think that happened,
1: Sophie?
0: That probably happened maybe six to eight times.
1: Did you show your mum?
0: I probably did. Back then, that was the first things that were happening. So I didn't have a big collection to sort of say, wow, like things really do happen. So at the time, I showed my friends, I would have shown my mum. Nothing really came of it because people just say, oh, you just must scratch yourself in this your, sleep. your sleep. Mm-hmm. It's easy to, to dismiss a lot of things.
1: Yes, it is, yeah.
0: Uh, and if you don't want to believe, it's very easy to dismiss things as well.
1: Yes, and it sounds like you're a very down-to-earth person, a very, uh, you know, literally earthed person with your horse and, and, you know, and the landscape and loving the sea and, you know, all of that. So I can imagine yes. that all of this stuff, which seems to have started when you were about 20 then, is that correct, Sophie?
0: Probably. Yeah.
1: So that would come as a shock.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if I brought it on myself because I've never actively sought, um, sort of was seeking anything. I never did anything to invite anything. But at the same time, I had a lot of books on supernatural ghosts, all that sort of thing. I was very interested in it, and my dad was very interested in it. Yes. He probably got me into it, so I had a, a big interest in it and just thought it was fascinating. And definitely believed in everything, but I wasn't out there, you know, with Ouija boards or anything like that because I know that sort of thing is dangerous. Mm-hmm. I certainly wasn't trying to attract anything. I just had an interest in talking about it or reading about it.
1: Now let's go back to the night of the movies at the Mornington Peninsula House. You've been there for a week. You've got this thing stamped yeah. on your leg. And um, you have some fun and you have some laughs with your friend. Then you go home. What was that night like?
0: Um, It wasn't too bad. As I said, it was the first thing that happened. So you can just kind of, at the end of it, if you can't reconcile something, you can just write it off. Um, and that, and be done with it. So I think that's kind of all we did. Yeah. Um, we weren't overly scared or spooked. By the time we got home, we'd seen two movies, probably in a bit of a different headspace than when we left from being rattled because we'd seen something funny at the movies. Okay. So everything just continued on normal after that.
1: Okay. Uh, and how long was, did this thing on your leg, like did it just fade away eventually? How long was it there for?
0: To be honest, that part I don't remember. Okay. I, Always remember distinct events um, and never forget them, but minor details I don't seem to retain them. Um, okay, so I don't know that was it, wasn't there for a, a long period.
1: Okay, so eventually, with showering, eventually it went away, but you, you, yeah, okay, all right. Yep. So, Sophie, I know that things began to escalate from here. What came next?
0: So after that, um, I never had a bad feeling in the house, as I said. Um, the only thing with the house was my wardrobe in my bedroom. I just always, I'd never liked it and found it spooky and eerie. And the kitchen cupboards in the kitchen, there was, because it was a very old house, it had very high, two sets of cupboards like rows, and the ones very high to the ceiling which I couldn't reach without standing on a chair. I always found them spooky. I never opened them or used them the whole time I lived in that house. But other than that, I didn't have a bad feeling in that house up until then. I just didn't like those two things. Okay. And then very shortly after the dye incident and the stove, um, I will probably say pretty much straight away, um, definitely within the next week, I started hearing footsteps in the house and I started hearing laughter in the house.
1: Mm. What kind Um, of laughter? And was it a a woman's or a man's voice?
0: The laughter always sounded like it was coming from the roof, or it was up in the ceiling, like it was above me. And it was, I guess, more a woman's laughter. And it was the feeling or the tone it had, it was probably the tone of laughter. It sort of was like a, a mocking laugh. It wasn't the laugh that you'd hear if your friend was laughing with you, it was that hard to explain, Um, but it was like it was laughing at me. It was like a mocking laughter, that it was like messing with my head and enjoying it kind of laugh. It was was creepy and the footsteps I would hear throughout the house, some of them I'd hear them together, sometimes it would just be the laughter or the footsteps.
1: How did you feel about this and was it becoming harder to, to sort of, you know, dismiss it?
0: At that point, I thought probably not a whole lot. Um, I just thought I can live with that. It's just just the sound. It's just the sound of footsteps. It's just the sound of laughter. That's not hurting me. It's not something physically, you know, obstructing my way in the house. It's just sound. So at that point, I thought, not a whole lot. I just thought, okay, there's definitely a ghost in the house. I can live with that. But at that point, I was thinking, a human ghost. I was just thinking, all right, it's a human ghost. That's fine. It's a very old house. I can cope with that if it's just that.
1: So, you were thinking it was perhaps the spirit of someone who'd lived there and was still, you know, liking their house and wanting to visit it or something like that?
0: Something along those lines. Yeah. Very, I definitely thought it was a human ghost because that's, I guess, that's the first thing you think of. And because footsteps and the laughter are a human trait. Yes. I just presumed it was, oh, well, it's just a human ghost. That's fine. There are ghosts that live and occupy houses all the time. We can coexist. If I have to hear laughter and footsteps, it's creepy and I'm not going to like it at nighttime, Um, but I can live with it.
1: Okay. All right. Okay. So that's your state of mind. These things are going on around you, but then it didn't stay at just the footsteps and the laughter, did it? No,
0: I guess from in hindsight, when you look back, it was telling me something from the start. And because I wasn't listening and responding how it wanted, it just kept escalating and going until I got the message. So in the early days, living with it, I just wasn't clicking as to what was going on. I was just thinking, oh, that's fine. It's just something in the house and I just have to live with it.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. What was the next thing that happened that, that let you begin to understand that this was something much bigger than what you could have imagined?
0: I think the next thing that happened was I had an old gas heater in the family room. It, it used, to, I think it used to be an actual fireplace with all bricks and everything, but um, someone eventually just sort of put in a big, old, very old gas heater into that spot to keep the house warm. So that was used a lot. It was a very old house and very cold if it was cool. So I put that on, and as I turned, as i had done a lot of times before, I put it on and it blew up in my face and it died. So I had to call the real estate agent and tell them, you know, send someone out to replace or fix mm-hmm. the now heater in my family room.
1: And so that's the second, you know, appliance that you've had blow up. And I guess because you're a very rational person, you might just be thinking, old house, you know, old things. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: was. Yeah, I didn't put that to anything because it was easy to say, well, look how old the heater is, it's just died. Yeah. Um, and that so I didn't really think much into that at that point. It didn't rattle me by any means. So that was fixed and then just continued on again. Didn't have another problem with the heater. But then a short time after that, I had two cars at the time, one a practical car, one was my fun, uh beautiful old 79 Jeep. And I'd gone outside one day popped up the the hood on it and decided to replace or check the water levels and replace and top up the oil levels in it. Okay. So that was just sitting beside the house. Something um, I've done a million times before because I always do the, the minimum things that I can do myself <laughs> and I had just gone out there and done that like any other day. And as I did that, I was leaning over all the engine. It had a very big, I think it was a 351 Ford V8 engine, so it pretty much took up the entire under-the-hood area, and the car wasn't turned on. I was just doing the water and oil. Something blew up in my face as well. So the whole engine blew up with a big fireball thing and smoke, and then my car was dead. So that was the third thing that blew up.
1: So that's, I mean, I don't know know anything about cars, but I would imagine that if the car's not turned on, the engine can't blow up, right? Is that right?
0: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know anything about cars. (laughs) So I don't understand what even happened. I know I had to get it repaired and fixed. I don't remember what it was that I had to pay for and fixed. All I know is that it was working again and I was happy to be driving it because I loved it. I just remember what happened and that without the car and being turned on, because you'd never have your car on when you're doing Those things. Of course.
1: Yeah, of course. So at this point, you've had three things, as you say, blow up in your face. Well, one happened to your friend, but it's the same kind of idea of, you know, the fireball you've had three times. Yes. Did you connect these three things at this point? Or again, were you just rationalizing and just thinking, well, set that aside?
0: I wasn't dismissing it in a negligent or naive way. I was well aware of. I guess, the possibilities. But still at that point, I was still rattled a little bit, but not overly at this point and aware that there was definitely something in my house. And I think at that point, that's when I started talking to it because I did not want it to escalate and get further. I thought I can live with that. If that's it, I can live with all of that. If that's kind of where it's capped at. if that makes sense.
1: Okay. So you began talking to it. What were you saying to it?
0: I was telling it to leave, um, and I told it that I was not leaving that, that house. I never once throughout the entire events, never once crossed my mind to move out, even though my family was begging me to leave, uh, and friends, but I never once considered moving out. It was cheap, affordable. It was great. I had a great balcony with bay views. I was not going to be pushed out by a ghost, which is what I thought it was at that point. So. It was not an option to me to move out, so I just started telling it that we are going to have to coexist, and I asked it and would yell at it to leave and to leave me alone because I believed that intent or, yeah, I guess the strong intent is enough to get rid of something. Mm-hmm. So I was telling it to leave, and then I came up with three rules that I told it repeatedly over the whole period of, of everything. Um I had three rules, and if it would abide by those rules, that's how we're going to coexist. I can deal with everything, but as long as it stuck to to my rules. What were your rules? So my three rules were that it didn't hurt me. It didn't break anything, which I think I limited to just my belongings in the house. So I probably should have exaggerated more to maybe cars, things like that, but I was just thinking, you know, my belongings, because you see movies, they smash plates or throw mirrors or do things. Yeah. I'd collected a lot of nice things, so I just said, don't break my things, don't hurt me. And I was very strict on it, not ever revealing itself to me as much as I have an interest and I believe I' still to this day, and I still say this um if I think there's anything in the house, I just I don't know how I would cope if I actually saw something. so I said, don't ever reveal yourself, but if you have to, you're only allowed to do it if I have a friend over. Okay. I just don't know like, if that would really blow my mind and be too much for me to deal with. So they were those were my three very strict rules.
1: Okay. And who or what did you think at that point that you were talking to?
0: I just still at that point just thought it was a human ghost. Okay. And I just thought it's just a human ghost that hasn't passed on possibly lived in that house or it just liked that house and it just didn't want to share it. That's all I thought that I was dealing with.
1: So, Sophie, at this point you started to ask some questions.
0: I did, but just before I spoke to my neighbours about it, um, it was actually now starting to mess around with me and starting to play games. So at that point I was only really hearing the footsteps and the laughter, which I was happy to deal with or accept. But then it started to every night when I'd get home from work and it would be dark, it would turn all the power off in my house from the main switchboard on the outside of the house. It would only leave one TV and one particular lamp on, not even near each other, just two random things in the house. And I had to walk a long way to turn that lamp off as well. So every night when I got home, I would have to then walk around in the dark on my own around the old house to the the old switchboard outside, flick all the power back on just so I could have electricity in my house again. And it did that every night. It was like a fun little game. So I was never scared in the house during the day. In the daytime, not a problem. um, But night, as soon as it was dark, that's when I started being scared because I was well aware that there was something. And now that it was starting to play games, that's when um, that heightened my level of being scared.
1: Of course, my gosh! And so you began to tell your friends as well.
0: Yes. So friends definitely knew this, um, knew what was going on, and. Because I lived on my own, I didn't have any pets living with me. I adjusted my horse um, down the road and I'm a big animal lover. I had discovered since moving in that all my neighbours had dogs and they could pretty much get through the fences or they weren't fenced in from their house. So I would leave my front door open when I was home um, and I would welcome in all of these dogs. I'd give them little treats and they would come in and just sit and watch TV with me and just get attention off me because I loved it. Mm. So... At this point, I started noticing that when the dogs would come in and um, be interacting with me, I noticed that they started to see something in my house. Um, So the dogs were always happy and had their mouths open with their tongue out sort of panting like a happy dog. Um, But then when they saw this thing in my house, their heads would dart up towards the ceiling and I would watch the dog's head. rotate and move as it was watching something that I couldn't see in the house and it would stop panting it would close its mouth um like it was concentrating and it looked very worried and it would watch whatever this thing is that I couldn't see I became aware that the dogs could see it and I couldn't see it
1: my gosh so more than one dog was doing this like just all the dogs that you welcomed in were doing this watching whatever it was
0: There were three dogs, um, a golden retriever, a tiny little terrier-looking thing, and the other dog was like a mixed breed of something, I don't know, Alsatian mixed type sort of dog.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So That started to to rattle me because if the dogs weren't there, you could be in denial and I couldn't see or know where it was. But then when the dogs were consistently seeing it, that made me aware that it actually was in the room at that moment with me. and I was in the room with something invisible, yet the dogs were able to see it.
1: Oh, gosh, how frightening.
0: So, yeah, um, so that that raised my level of being scared a little bit, but still there was at no point an, an idea that I would ever move out.
1: You're still standing your ground.
0: Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> During $40 a week, I wasn't leaving.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And so... Sophie, I know that um, your, when you would talk about it on the phone with your friends, it didn't like that.
0: No. Um, so then it started at this new game and all of these things were repetitive. They weren't just one-off things like all these things I've sort of mentioned. Okay. These were now accumulating and there was like now a big mixture of things going on all the time. Okay. Uh, it wasn't just one thing and then a new trick. It was gradually building up so I was like juggling all these different antics that it was doing at any one time and then uh, as it sort of I guess gained traction and more stories and just the daily reoccurrences of things particular friends that were very fascinated by it would call me every night after work um, to find out basically a daily installment of what had happened okay and then uh, I'd be sitting on the couch when my friends would call just watching tea or having dinner and it didn't like me talking about it. So as I would be having a normal conversation talking about horses or, I don't know, the weekend, whatever. But as soon as the conversation conversation switched to them asking me what it had done, as soon as I started to reply on what it had done, it would uh, violently flicker all the electricity in the house on and off as fast as it could. Oh, my gosh. So That's the TV, the lamps, the lights, and I would have a lot of lights on because I was rattled at nighttime. So, pretty much, a lot of majority of the lights were on in the house because I felt safer. So it would everything in the house it would violently flicker them on and off until I realized that as soon as I said I can't talk about it, it doesn't like it. I'll call you tomorrow from work, and then it would stop instantly. So it, it had trained me that I was not allowed to talk about it.
1: It's chilling. It's It's just you've just given me all these goosebumps.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So look, I don't I guess it was just a power tripping because it could. I still wasn't getting the message from it clearly. So it was doing everything it could to tell me that it was there and to intimidate me.
1: What do you think its message was?
0: I think it just wanted me gone. It just wanted that house to itself. I don't think it would have mattered who had lived in that house. It wasn't just a vendetta against me. It was just that I was the new tenant. And it just didn't want to share the house with me. It just wanted me gone.
1: Okay. So
0: I, I, to me, I just wasn't getting its message and I wasn't leaving. And I was telling it before I even realized this. At the time, I didn't have this hindsight reflection of thought. But at the time, I was just telling it, I'm not leaving. So these are my rules. That's it. We have to live together, kind of deal with it because I wasn't going anywhere.
1: One Saturday night, you asked a friend to come and stay with you, but this did not end well. Tell us about this.
0: By this point, I was getting more scared at nighttime. So I kind of just wanted a break and just to feel if there was someone else in the house with me, I am not. I wouldn't be as scared. So I'd asked my friend to stay. He is a real estate agent and not really into this sort of thing. So he just kind of thought it was I don't, not a joke, but didn't really think of it as anything. So he's like, yeah, that's fine. I'll come over. Didn't really pay attention or there was no weight to what I had told him as to what was happening in the house. Okay. So we had, I don't know, probably gone to the movies, had dinner. That was in Just a normal, quiet night at home. And I was just looking forward to having someone in the house. So it made me feel like I could go to sleep and there'd be someone else on watch and they could deal with it sort of thing. If anything happened, at least there was someone else with me yeah so I just wanted a reprieve for an evening, so everything was normal that night nothing there was no footsteps, there was all the little things that it used to do. There was nothing, so he didn't see anything. I didn't hear anything. It was just a normal night that evening as if it was a normal house and then when we had gone to bed, I think I did turn all the lights out that night because I had a com- i had company, yeah. so I didn't sleep with all the lights off so that night I actually did turn all the lights off and we had just gone to bed and we were just trying to go to sleep and before uh, anyone had fallen asleep there was a very loud bang crash and it was clearly something had broken and had been smashed out in one of the rooms so I was frightened and I said you have to go and see what that is there's there's no way I'm walking in the dark down the hallway and investigating the rooms to find out what just happened he did Um, he didn't really have a choice so I heard him walk down the hallway and sort of walk into different rooms and when he turned the bathroom light on because he was trying to find out what had broken or what had happened, he found his whole big sort of like a leather toiletry bag which was all full of his aftershave, contact lens, things which are in like glass bottles that you wouldn't want broken, Um, just his normal toiletries. That was all on the the ground broken on the bathroom wall so he's I was like calling out from the bedroom so I was too scared to go up there I was yelling out what is it what have you found what's happened and he just came back and said you won't believe it I just all my stuff's on the floor broken oh my gosh and before we'd gone to bed when I was brushing my teeth um I had seen his toiletry bag he had placed it purposely against the bathroom vanity wall so it was not near an edge of the bathroom um, vanity, um, it had to travel about maybe 40 centimetres to jump itself off the, the bench onto the floor. Standing. He was very careful because it was breakable things. Um, so I'd seen that for myself, what it was like before. So, again, there was no way we could rationalise, oh, you had it half hanging off the bench and it had just fallen off because it, it wasn't. So, yeah, it broke all of his things.
1: Oh, my gosh, that is just... <laughs> shocking
0: so that raised the level again because I had my three rules but at the same time um, happy isn't the right word but I was pleased or happy because I thought well you're listening to me you could have broke you've had all this time now with me you could have broken any of my belongings and you never have Um, and the one time I asked a friend to come over you break his things so to me it kind of was like validation that we had an understanding and it wasn't breaking my things. Even though I didn't like it and I was scared because it just proved that it can break things and hurt things. Yes. Um, but I was happy that it had chosen his things and none of my things in the bathroom or anywhere in the house of all my breakable things. Yeah. So I was equally terrified as I was happy with that.
1: Yeah, so it's a real sort of, yeah, mishmash of emotions you're feeling there because I'd imagine that you also yes. felt a bit bad for your friend.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it was yeah, a mix of feelings. So then he was like, wow, stuff actually does happen to your house. That's when it sunk in for him that this isn't a joke, like I'm not mucking around or they're not just weird things happening in the house that you could say, oh, I, it wasn't footsteps, it was the radio or the neighbours next door or something. That's sort of that is when the penny dropped. And yeah. then after that um he you know picked up all these things put them back on the bench we tried to go back to sleep again but <laughs> a little bit more scared again because we're thinking okay it's, it's up to its level um and then before we had fallen asleep again pretty much straight away uh we hear this incredibly eerie hissing noise coming from somewhere in the house And I said to him, there is no way I'm getting up. You know, I'm not going into the house. You have to go and find out what this noise is. And it was like. Poor guy. (laughs) uh, Yeah. (laughs) It was a very high-pitched hissing, eerie noise. Hard to articulate, but just the most eerie hissing noise you could imagine in a, a horror movie sort of thing. So, again, we didn't know what it was. I sent him out to go find it. (laughs) He was in his keep because that's what he'd come over for (laughs) to help me. So, again, he followed the sound of the noise. As it got louder, he sort of knew which room to go in because the rooms are all dark, and he goes back to the bathroom and turns on the light and he found that the four taps that were above the bath, I had a very old shower that was above the bath, so there was two sets of taps, one for the bath and one for the shower. Mm-hmm. So all those four tap handles were turned on completely full, so water should have been coming out like a fountain. Um, but there was no water coming out and there was just this eerie hissing noise coming out from, from the taps oh my because gosh. there was no water. So he had to turn off all the four taps again and then come back and report back to what he
1: saw <laughs> oh my gosh and then I don't know how you got any sleep that night
0: um well I was happy because there was someone there yes
1: yes
0: <laughs> um, so it was easier than it if it had happened if I was just there on my own I would have been a lot scared a yes lot more scared.
1: So you were sharing your burden a bit and I guess that was, you know, a, a relief.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely was. Um, so he had now instantly been converted into a believer as well, pretty much along with my other non-believer friend. So but at this point I was thinking, wow, the two friends that I've had over that you've decided to display your, your true colours and your tricks have been two friends that aren't really open to this sort of thing and believers also.
1: Yes, yeah, that's um, important, yeah.
0: So I was happy that whether it's coincidence or not how it worked out, I was happy that, again, it was two friends that if these people were to tell the world what they saw, you'd listen because they weren't people ever open to this sort of thing that would never make it up, let alone discuss it or ever have an interest in this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, after that, that was it. He turned the taps off, the, the eerie noise stopped, and then that was it for the for that night. For that um, night. For
1: that night. <laughs> yeah. There was a thing more. Yeah. So, so after- yeah, go on.
0: Go on, Sophie. Sorry, Karina, So after that, that's when I thought, all right, things are getting a, li- a little bit more. Um, I decided to ask my next door neighbours if they had had anything happen to them because the neighbours um, or the landlords, my landlord, owned two houses and they were next door to each other. So the people that live next door to me actually used to live in my house before me. They had left my house and moved into the house next door when it became available because it was a much bigger family house for their Okay, people. yep. So I thought, great, they've actually lived in this house because there's no one to talk to about it. You can't ask the real estate agent because they haven't lived there. So um, I thought, well, I'll ask the next-door neighbours. I didn't want to really say too much in case I didn't know what their outlook on this sort of thing was. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I just said, did any, I went over knocked on their door one day and just said, did you notice anything weird or peculiar? Did anything out of the ordinary ever happen when you lived in that house without saying anything? And she, the the mum, the wife, um, she just said no. Um, they just didn't have any incidents or anything ever being weird in the house, so I was disappointed with that. Mm. Didn't give me any information, but she did say that, just her, none of her children are her husband. She said she always felt there was a presence in the kitchen and she said at night time, every night when she'd have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and you had to walk past the kitchen to get to the bathroom, she always felt there was a presence in the kitchen. She said it didn't feel um, like a bad presence but she said she just always felt there was someone in the kitchen and it used to scare her but that was it.
1: Okay. And that's so, not something that you had felt at that point, really, Sophie. Is that right?
0: No, I had never noticed anything in the kitchen. So to me, it was wasted information. I got absolutely nothing out of it. I couldn't add up anything and get an answer in my own head. Mm. Um, I just walked away going, Oh, well, that's great that you noticed that, but I've never noticed that. Yeah. So <laughs> um, at that point, that information just sat doing nothing and I didn't think of that until later on um, when something else happens that we'll get to a bit later on.
1: Yes, yes. At that point
0: I was still at square one with with nothing other than just my belief or opinions on what was happening.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Ghost Files. We'll be back next week with part two of Sophie's Amazing Story.